What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, the podcast where everything's made up and the points don't matter. That's right. The points are like telling your students not to go to the bathroom during service. It doesn't matter. Are, are They're going to do it anyway. Are we just straight up ripping off whose line now? I feel like we're going to get sued. Yeah. Do you like it or not? Like, I mean, I, I love it. <laughs> I don't love being sued, but... Nah. They, they, Who are we again, joking? They're not going to... They don't know we exist. No. ABC's not... ABC? I don't... What network were they on? I don't know. Uh, Now I feel like we have to look it up for copyright purposes. So who is your favorite character from Who's Line Anyway? Oh, man. That's tough. I I almost think I would say Colin. Colin Mockery. Yeah. Yeah. He's the super tall Colin. No, no. That was Ryan Stiles. Colin was like the older bald guy. Yeah. And then Wayne Brady, those three were on pretty much every episode. I mean, we're not like diving into like the reruns and like the, right. uh, you know, the, all the new episodes, like nobody cares about those. Uh, but those three together. And then there was always a rotating person for the fourth, but, uh, for the record, it was ABC. So well done. I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself. I'm not. It was ABC originally CW got in there. Ah, yep. All of those other ones, but uh, yeah, no, it's the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. We're we're Welcome. excited to be we're here. We're glad you're here. Whether you're tuning in online via YouTube or Instagram or, or the just, audio via via via, like is there via. a wrong way to say? I it? I don't think so. I really don't. On uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the iHeartRadio app, whichever your heart desires. Yeah, I like that. Can I ask you a question? Please hit me All with right. a quick question. I have a of the day, quick Derek. question of the day, Mister Besh. Yep. What was one of your fondest quarantine moments? So I thought... By quarantine, I mean the pandemic of COVID-19. I thought we agreed as a society never to talk about this ever again. (laughs) Um, That would be nice. I I was under the assumption that we all had this silent pact that we were never going to acknowledge that that was like it was a dark place for everyone. We didn't like it. It was not fun. So we're just going to ignore it. I mean, all those things are accurate. That's true. But there has uh, to be some kind of silver so lining in one there. Of, one, of the, one of the funniest things that I remember from... So first of all, we uh, it, it was... I mean, it depends on how long you want to... You know, what, what exactly time period you want to talk about here. But it was... I think it was June of 2020 that uh, Michaela and I got our cats... Nice. Uh, and and they are hilarious and precious and and we love them but that that's not fun to say that that's all my fondest memory was getting our cats blah 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 uh so i'm going to say one of my fondest memories from quarantine was the discovery of the tv show lego masters great show followed closely by michaela and i buying a whole bunch of legos so that we could build stuff <laughs> I remember you getting that and I was like, you guys are seriously the best. That's such a genius concept. Like, why not? Like, yeah, it, it's, oh, it's such a great show. So entertaining. I think my favorite, have you watched a lot yeah, of it? I've watched the whole first season. I think my favorite challenge I've ever seen them do was, uh, when they had like this, they had two platforms and they had to build a bridge that spanned the expanse between the platforms. Yep. And I don't remember how long it was, but they, you know, whichever team had, you know, that like it was like kind of based on design, like, you know, cool design, cool. If you have a bad design, that sucks. But they also had to design it to withstand, like with whoever had the bridge that could withstand the most amount of weight automatically went through to the next round. Yeah. And so they like just kept stacking more and more weight onto each one. And so that was, that was really, really cool. Wasn't it like a thousand pounds. I remember at least one of the teams, the production managers had to stop the production from adding more weight because it was becoming a safety issue. Yeah. Which is Legos. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. These, I mean, it was like Two feet, four feet off the ground. It's yeah. not like they were like walking on it 30 feet in the air. Right. Nobody was actually walking on it. They were just putting weights on it. Yeah. But like it was a significant amount it was, of weight. Yeah. It was, like, if it, it wasn't a thousand pounds, it was awfully close. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but. Which is just bonkers. Yeah. It was crazy. Such a great show. Great show. What about you? What was one of your fondest quarantine moments? <laughs> so my birthday present uh, or Christmas present, I can't remember. Um, but 
for my wife to me was to make our spare bedroom in our basement of our house a game room, mm-hmm. like the, with the whole nine new TV, like decorations, repainting it, like everything. And so uh, that was, you know, my my present, like to have the funds to do that. And so I, I actually ended up getting COVID. Um, Around, I think this is. Like, we all did. Let's be yeah. honest. So Whether I, some people just didn't test for it, but we probably all got it. I think this was like <laughs> November of 2020. So okay. like okay. it was like you know had been around for six months and I had not gotten it, but all of a sudden like I kind of started to get like cold symptoms and then all of a sudden my my scent and my smell slowly went away and I was like, well, <laughs> this might be it. And sure enough, I got it. So um, I was quarantined at home. For a week, and I couldn't do hardly any ministry stuff because all my stuff was at my office, and it didn't do me a ton of good at the time. So I decided I'm just—I feel okay enough to work. I'm gonna renovate my game room and just do it while I'm off. So um, my wife's at work and picking up kids from daycare and such, and I'm down in my room painting, like repainting the whole room. And so my wife Meg gets home hours later and I got, you know, podcasts ripping in there and music and she opens the door and goes, whoa. And I was like, what? She goes, can you seriously not smell that? And I said, no. She goes, you don't have a window open and you're painting. Like apparently like the fumes were like pungent from coming down the step. But because I had no smell from COVID, I was just painting high apparently. Proud so, of you. Yeah, it was uh it was so then I cracked the window and I felt fine the entire time. But it was it was just fun to I'm sure you felt fine. I mean, yeah, I did. I felt weightless, you could say. I don't know. I've never been high in my life, so I can't tell you what that feels like. But it was fun to kind of like see that full renovation a week's time and go, I did that while I was sick. So kinda kinda crazy and it on one hand, I don't know how you feel, Kyle, but on one hand, it feels like that was an eternity ago. And on the other hand, it was like, that was, it was three years ago. Like we are, we are coming up on three years, almost to the day when, you know, the whole world shut down. You know, Kyle and I are both in Minnesota and I think it was like mid-March where. If I remember right, I'm, I'm trying to look it up here. Uh, it was a Wednesday night that a lot of things kind of hit. Yeah. Uh, it because, like, I remember you know hearing some things about it and and things were happening. Yeah. So Wednesday, March eleventh, was the day that the NBA pulled a couple teams off the court right before they were going to play their games, and I, I remember after youth that night seeing that on the news, and it was kind of like, oh. Oh no! This is this is a thing. Because at the time, everyone's kind of like, "It's not a big deal," and like, right? It's, you yeah. Know. And so that was that was. I remember that moment of kind of like, "Okay, this is this is going to be a big deal." Um, and by the, I think it was Saturday or Sunday night. You know, my wife uh, got an email from her office saying, "You know, don't come into the office on Monday. Uh, we're going to institute working from home for a couple weeks." And she never, after that, went permanently back into the office, which was a win. But uh, yeah, I so I I definitely remember like after that 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 Wednesday night, and you know, me and a bunch of students went to Dairy Queen afterwards, and we were at Dairy Queen and saw it on the news, and I was like, oh, this is this is a thing. Yeah, well, and you know, I I wanted to kind of just like rehash this because again, I think a lot of us are trying to just like suppress that memory because it wasn't 100%. a trip. Um, but where we're gonna go with this episode is, I think. It's important for us to look as church leaders what the impact of COVID was because I don't think anyone anticipated it being what it was. You know, how it was in Minnesota, how it was kind of approached was, you know what, this is a real thing. This is something we have to be conscious of and cognizant of and and be prepared. But it's a two-week deal. Like, we're going to flatten the curve was the phrase that kind of— If I hear that phrase one more time, man, I'm going to lose it. And the whole premise was, like, let's give hospitals a break and that kind of thing. But that two-week flatten the curve got extended by a week, and then it was a month. And then, really, it began this year-long season of unknowns. And then you you sprinkle into their, like, you know, if you— 
as church, as church leaders, if you host a service, you are liable to having cops show up and arrest you. There's a, there's a pastor yeah. down in Florida that got arrested during church because he said, we have faith in God. We're not worried about a, a virus. And so they met anyway, and he got walked out in handcuffs. And, and there's a, a, you know, we could, we could get into the weeds as to the ins and outs of that. But Kyle, what I want to kind of just like tackle uh, this episode is I was reading somewhere recently. Um, I, I think it was in a book actually. And they made a comment that I thought was very astute and very, very wise is they talked about how the national landscape of the church, the big C church, really can be classified into pre-COVID and post-COVID as like mm-hmm. the church prior to 2020, at least in you know recent years, is different than the landscape of the church post-COVID. So the church that you, the churches that you and I are in now, they had a different tone in 2020 than they do in 2023. And there's there's good reasons for that and there's not so good reasons for that. And so, um, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to chat through today, like let's chat the good and the bad and just kind of what do we do with that? Because, you know, we had personally adults or parents that were super consistent and that were there you know, three or four Sundays out of the month, you know, kids never missed a Wednesday and COVID happened and I haven't seen them since. And I don't know if they're going anywhere at all. I don't know if they switch churches. Uh, and so there's, there's a bunch to unpack here, but before we jump into the good and the bad, is there anything else that, you know, kind of strikes a chord with you, Kyle, as it pertains to church and COVID? Yeah, I think that, you know, there, one of the prefaces I have for this episode is like, you know, there were, there were, you know, bad changes, like, like you said, like students that, you know, we didn't see after, after COVID and there were good changes. And so we want to kind of highlight both of those, uh, you know, comparing pre COVID and post COVID church. And, and what does that look like? Uh, you know, there were, there were people that stopped coming. There were new families that showed up. There were systems and processes that died with COVID and, and new ones that started, and some of that was good and some of that was bad, yep. uh, you know, from a, from a broad scale, you know, ter- worldwide church perspective, not just at our churches. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited to uh, kind of dive in uh, as much as I want to put it out of my memory. Uh, you know, so, and, and that's the other thing, too, for for people who were working at churches, youth pastors, especially, uh, you know, if you went to school for youth ministry, no, you didn't have a segment of a class called how to do church in a pandemic. Uh, you, everybody trying to just do all of this on the fly. Yeah. Everybody trying to, you know, like I remember uh, our church board at one point approved it for us to get some new video cameras uh, so that we could, you know, have a little bit higher quality when live streaming our services through the, the quarantine period. And, you know, it was... Like it wasn't something where we could just order them on Best Buy and get them the next day. Like there was all camera equipment was on back order because every church was scrambling to figure this out. I remember the first Sunday. So I I don't remember if we had church. March 11th was that Wednesday night. I don't remember if we had church that night, that Sunday would it would have been March 15th. Uh, but the first Sunday that it was like widely shut down and everybody was online, Facebook crashed. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Because mm-hmm. like they weren't prepared for all the churches live streaming on Sunday morning, yep. which was hilarious. Uh, and so that was uh, just some of the quirks and things that kicked off this whole process, I, I think are, are worth acknowledging. And, and you know, there's grace in all of this because we all had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, well, and there was, it was it was so interesting to see. You know, Facebook would have ads on the side, so you'd see, you know, here are ten things to do to pastor your church through COVID nineteen. I remember having this conversation with my lead pastor, like, who wrote that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And like speaking from experience, I, I appreciate the effort. Like that's awesome, but like, who can sit there and say, "Hey, I have pastored my church through a global pandemic," right? Like, 
was it the Spanish flu that was like the most recent yep. memory? Yep. That was in like 1904. Yeah, something so like that. So like, you know, yeah, I pastored my church when I was six months old. And so let me tell you. As the I'm, guy, yeah, the guy writing it is like, yeah, I, I sat down and had a conversation with my 135-year-old great-great-grandpa <laughs> who was pastoring during the Spanish flu. Here was his advice. <laughs> Go back to like Abraham ages, like that's like <laughs> first. For if, if, if I can, I can picture that article now. Like you know, old great <laughs> uh-huh. great grandpa Lenny's advice on how to pastor through the Spanish flu. Like number one, had like you know, yeah. Park your horses in the right <laughs> spot. Like make sure you social distance your horses when you park them. Like, cause it's not going to be like yeah. Like make sure you are putting high quality streams on Facebook. Oh my gosh! Yeah, was the telephone around at that point? Even uh my my history is, is escaping. I, I don't me. know because <laughs> we are so off track. But it just, uh, it, telephone was invent, invented in 1876. Okay, so, so they did have phones. Things that weren't around in 1908. <laughs> oh I think it was 1908, not 04. I'll, I'll tell you one thing: Twitter was not around. That's for sure. It was close. Came shortly thereafter, but was not that much longer. Timeline of United States inventions oh, from great. 1890 to 1945. While I'm looking at this, can you do me a favor? And we we need to be accurate with our information. Yep. Can you look up when exactly the Spanish flu was? Sure. Uh, when that pandemic was? You know, Derek I, said 1904. I'm th- I'm shooting for 1908. If you're in a crunch uh, and you want to get to the real content, just skip ahead by about two and a half minutes. We'll be back on pace here. Well, no, because everybody knows that we don't really start our real podcast until 10 minutes in, but we're 16 minutes in. We already got to some of the legitimate so content. We, we, have, we have a little bit of... February 1918. So we were both way off. Okay. I'll scroll down a little bit. Phone phone was way in by this point. Inventions in 19... Ooh, marshmallow cream was invented (laughs) in 1917. So I'm glad we had that to get through the Spanish flu. Uh, The torque wrench was invented in 1918. French dip sandwich was invented in 1918. Okay, so let's keep going here. You're just just lacing Tucker. We did not yet have the toaster. Well, in the during the Spanish so flu, I assume toaster strudels were out. We didn't have point. the polygraph, so we couldn't tell who started it because everybody was lying, and we didn't know how to tell. We didn't have adhesive bandages. We didn't have the convertible or water skiing. What? <laughs> we didn't have water skiing. We didn't even have the cheeseburger till 1924. <laughs> this is the greatest website I've ever been on. Can this we? is this is going to take a little bit of a different term, but the gas chamber executions oh, were invented no. in 1924 as okay. well. We could have done without that. Yeah, I thank you uh, for bringing that Spanish up. Spanish flu was doing a heck of a job of executing people on all its own. We didn't need gas chambers. This episode <laughs> Can has I say went that? off the That's rails. Bad. It has went off the rails. Masking tape, tilt-a-whirl, garage door opener. Garage door opener was invented in 1926. That seems... Early. Excessive, yeah. I feel like that was more of like a seventies thing. Not, I'm, not, I'm not buying your your <laughs> reputable website here. Well, it is Wikipedia. I'm going to continue. It is not. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Wikipedia page entitled uh, "Timeline of U.S. United States Inventions from 1890 to 1945." Holy buckets! I'm moving on for sure because this, that was that was like a rabbit trail of all rabbit trails. Let's talk about some of the good things that came okay. out of COVID, you, shall you, we, Derek? You mentioned it. All right, you mentioned the first one that came to my mind immediately was what? Facebook beefing up their ability to do live streams uh, on Sunday. In mornings. essence, that's part of the segment. Oh, all right, uh, cool. I mean. <laughs> I was going to say, like, it, it increased the online presence and social outreach from churches. Why? Because you had to. If you wanted to have church, you had to go virtual. So yeah. it, it's so funny that you say that because, like, all camera equipment was, like, gone. Like, yeah. all, all you know, all camera switchers, gone. Cables, gone. Like, it, it was just... <laughs> I remember, this isn't camera related, but I, I we, because you, you did your... Uh, game room. Uh, That was your COVID renovation. Ours was our our basement. And as we were tearing apart some of it, we found there were some tiles with asbestos. And so it was like a week into quarantine and I had to go to Home Depot and get an N95 mask. Oh, And I found one, but I felt like an idiot. 
Cause I like, I was like in the checkout line, I think I got two of them. And I was like, guys, I promise I need this for like construction purposes. It's not because I'm super paranoid about COVID. Like I promise (laughs) I really actually need this Uh for its intended purpose. Uh And I didn't think, I didn't feel like anybody believed me. No, no, but you're right. There was, there was a lot of, uh, you know, presence boost. And I don't think that quantity was the only, uh, increase. I think that the quality yeah. of what was on the, well, n- now this is, we're just going to kind of get into maybe good and bad at the same time here. Uh, I, I do think there was a lot of churches like ours that upped the quality of what they were doing online. You know, there was some nicer equipment, uh, just more intentionality. Cause yeah. that was the only thing you could put effort into. Correct. Like you couldn't put effort into your in-person services. Yep. The only people attending your in-person services were the people Staff. behind the cameras. Yeah. It's so like it was, there was more intentionality that went into it, which I think was a plus, but I also would say I looking back I don't know that I would have made the same decisions around streaming worship because, and, and this might just be me. You can give me your opinion. If it's just me, that's fine. I don't think a single time through quarantine, I like legitimately worshiped to the live stream of our church. Not because the, like, not because I hated the people on the stage or not because I was in a grumpy mood that day. Like, literally just because, like, it's really hard to do that well. Yep. And Spotify has the exact same effect. Yeah, exactly. And And so I think that that was one that... Like even we are, we are talking since COVID, we have streamed our whole service before COVID we were streaming, but it was just the message. Yep. And we have kind of had some preliminary conversations about potentially going back to just streaming the message because of how much work good. Now that we are also mixing the band for in-person services, and that is the primary focus of our sound guy. Uh, I, I don't know, like it's, it's so hard to do them both. It and, is. And I think that that was maybe something that I would have done differently. Yep. And we actually ended up like, we have not streamed worship, um, for years for there that very reason. Um, like you did during COVID and then you we took started, it out. Yeah. We started, yeah. you know, and it just, it got to be where the quality was so poor, you know, not because of the talent of the musicians, but you need a separate, you need a whole separate mixing board. You know, mm-hmm. because you can't just do them all in one. You know, some boards, depending on the board that you have, you you can like yeah. have a separate send for the online stream. But even if it, you're doing it on the same board, it still presents the problem. Like I've done it for like typically because every church knows that one of the hardest times to ask people to volunteer is Christmas Eve because like yep. they got traditions they right. want to and so I usually end up like running sound or something on Christmas Eve yeah I got to be here anyway so I'm fine with it but I love I, I love running sound but I hate running sound twice right a- and you know I have to mix for the live stream and I have to mix for the live audience and those are two completely different mixes it's incredibly incredibly difficult yeah. i'm i don't do it well i'm no. just gonna be honest well and it's, it's hard to <laughs> you know you almost need a separate mixing board with a separate mixing person to do it well yeah, i agree and, and at that at what point is it is it worth it you know because again not that it's not awesome but like if you're looking for a worship experience you're probably gonna go to like an elevation where they have like a whole separate rig on purpose for their worship and separate cameras and separate angles. And so all those different things, but you know, we're going to get back into the bad that that kind of presented, but I think you're super right. You know, we went from an iPhone on a $10 Amazon tripod with a microphone that is was more ambient. Like that was our streaming setup. Do you want to know what the the irony of that is? Your podcast is currently being recorded on a phone with a $10 Amazon tripod. <laughs> Microphones are a little more expensive. That's but true. Beyond That's true. that, like it's, you know, <laughs> but like that was it for us. But we, we kind of got to a spot where it's like you, you nailed it. There's nothing else to put effort into. So let's, let's make this look good, you know, and like we're paying dividends on it now. Like we have that same equipment and like we're able to pump out that there's a reason that 
I mentioned this either, I think in the last episode, like there is a family that came to our church because they found us online and got a good glimpse of who we are. And so like that was, it was there. So, um, you know, it just, it just allowed, and with that too, then I want to move on. It just, it kind of engaged, like it's crazy to me that social media really is a mission field of itself, you know, because people are on it so much that you might reach people that you'd never see in person, but you can reach them, you know, virtually. And so it kind of just forced us to look at the social media aspect of this whole thing. I also think it forced us to ask the question of why behind our social media. Yeah. Uh, and, and we dove into this uh, in a separate episode uh, more in depth, but the, the like, okay, what is the purpose of, you know, our Facebook account as a church? What's the purpose of streaming our services on Sunday mornings? What is the purpose of the other posts that we make throughout the week? And, and forcing churches to ask that question, any organization that has a company Facebook page or a company Instagram page, these are important questions to ask. And, and I think that one of the great things about COVID is that it forced churches to ask those, those questions. And not just on social media. You kind of segue yeah. that perfectly. Like, Thank you. It Thank kind you. of, you'll be here all week. I get it. I will be. Um, it's my office, so yes. <laughs> you quite literally will be. How much of this candy remains it will be will be. This the is my dinner. Okay, so. perfect. So, well done. Pizza and candy When I have diet. diabetes later, we'll know why. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> this, this question, I think, was asked, at least in our context, with everything is, why are we doing this? Like it is one of those things, COVID, when it just completely upturned everything, it revealed a lot of these systems and a lot of the things that you just did for no other reason other than the fact of we've just always done this, mm. like passing the plate. Like during COVID, we didn't pass the plate. Why? Because it germs, you know, and people were super conscious of being close to each other. So like passing the plate didn't work, which got us asking why are we passing the plate? Are yeah. there pros to this? Are there cons to this? Why are yeah. we doing that? You know, things like greeting at the doors. Like Derek, it's so nice to see you this morning. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and shake their hand. Yeah, right? That's another <laughs> thing. And and ironically, we started we got back to that because for so long it was like everyone just kind of minded their own business and there's there's power to community. But it asked that question is being Minnesotans and Scandinavians who want to stick to ourselves. Does that put people in a more uncomfortable spot to have to stand up and interact with somebody new? Like uh, all of the introverts would say, "No, we're good." Yeah, exactly. But I, I agree. There were like some of those just things that we don't even think about, uh, and and like to the to the passing the plate. Uh, it, it I think COVID boosted people's recognition, congregants' recognition of giving online, and I would. Now, this is going to be skewed because I was going to say, I bet giving is higher in the last year or two than it was the two years before COVID because, you know, people, they, at, at a lot of churches anyway, because people, when you automate your monthly giving, I think you probably give more than Correct. if you don't. Yep. Uh, now, granted, we also all had stimulus checks that also probably helped with with giving to churches. But uh, I, I think that the push to online giving and, and helping to automate some of that now, that doesn't work for everybody. If you're salaried, it works great. Uh, we got a guy in our church that owns a concrete company and like he can't do automated giving because his he makes a different amount of money every single month. Yep. And so he you know he'll give like two or three months at a time. But... I I like for most people I like the idea of you know like we don't pass the plate anymore because you know it was you know a sanitary question mark but it resulted in more people giving online that's yeah. a win yep or just feeling less you're less likely to feel guilty if you pass the plate and don't put anything in whereas if the plate doesn't get passed then you don't feel ostracized oh I or disagree I give online and I still feel incredibly guilty. If I'm in a church, like yeah. our church doesn't pass a plate anymore, but if I ever go to a church where they pass a plate, like I would feel incredibly guilty because that's what I'm it, saying. 
it looks like you're, you know, it's it's almost like you need to like I give online yep, as exactly. you as you pass yeah. the plate, and, and that, that's exactly what I mean. Is like <laughs> you you feel that guilt. Like there's, and those are things you just don't realize happen until you sit there and go, huh? I guess I could see how that happened. You know, because yeah. like you would never sit there and when you sit down in a staff meeting and go, hey guys, hear me out on something. Let's not pass the plate. Like. They'd be like the senior pastor and the church accountant started sweating immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Hold on. Uh, yep. <laughs> can't do that. Even like our church. So my sister's church down in Nashville, they, uh, the Sunday after Christmas, they always take off and they, they stream like an old worship set or they will record an extra worship set and stream it that morning. And then they'll have somebody pre-record a message and, and for that Sunday and yep. they'll like put together a service and just set the automated stream and their whole staff gets that Sunday off after a busy Christmas season. And our church was kind of talking about that. And I think it was like this last year, it didn't really matter because Christmas was on a Sunday and so, or it was something weird with that. But, uh, we talked about it and for a small church, you are dependent on 52 offerings in a week or in a year. 52 offerings a week would be great. That would be uh, awesome. But you're you're dependent on 52 offerings a year. Yeah. If your congregation moves to primarily giving online and it's automated, it you have the ability, especially at a small church, to potentially take that a Sunday yep. like that off. Yep. And you're not going to be in a desperate spot financially. Correct. And so yeah. that that I think is a is a cool win as well. Yeah, uh, a few more here that I that I think just kind of you know helped us is the the layout of rooms. You know, you kind of we realized that we need to maximize this space because we had to you know when we got back into the building, but like with restrictions of like people so far apart and everything, you kind of realize yeah, there's smaller capacities to each room. Yep, and you realize like this space is underutilized or overutilized and it kind of made you go, okay, like how can we better do this? Even the structure of services, we kind of sat there and go, is worship too short? Is worship too long? You know, do we want to be, you know, put something in here to kind of help fill the void, especially with youth that kind of got to a spot. It's like, if you... Like, 90% of youth games are very germ-friendly. Like That's accurate. You know, it's, so it's one of those things, like, especially on the youth <laughs> side of things, I sat there and went, how can we, you know, because for us at the time, that game time was critical to our service just to kind of set the tone for the night. So it's like, if we can't, if my library of games went from, you know, this big to I got two ideas, like, it kind of went, Okay, so how else can we bring energy or how else can we yeah. bring engagement with students and that Derek, kind of thing? Derek, do you like soda? Yeah. Here, drink one. Through your friend's sock. Yep, yep that's out. You're telling me that we can't do that anymore? Ah, oh, man. Oh, we, we still can now. We're back to that. <laughs> COVID's not a thing anymore. No, we can do it. it's gone. But for a period of time, you're right. There was uh, adjustments that, it, especially with youth services, okay, like how do we, how do we, I... Even there were churches that had to make adjustments with how they did communion. Yep. Uh, you know, that that was, I remember, a, uh, a big conversation in a lot of different churches. And so, and even like post-COVID, like we don't, I bet we do games 25% of our Wednesday nights. Yep. Like a lot of Wednesday nights, most Wednesday nights, we don't even do games. And, and that was 100% something that was kind of born out of COVID, almost out of necessity, but I wouldn't go back. Right. Because our students, ha it's essentially created a culture where our students are like, we'll, we'll throw them in every once in a while, but and they're fun and I love them. But it's kind of setting the culture of with our students of like, you know, we, we play hard and we pray hard. Yeah, I like that. I made that up on the spot, but I well kind of like it. Uh, okay, uh, next one that, uh, that was definitely good that came out of COVID. Uh, I would say just like a desire and a newfound passion for like faith and connection. Uh, I don't like even the introverts at the end of quarantine were like, okay, we've had enough. And the prevalence of 
you know, every single news network had like the COVID death toll, yep. you know, posted at all times and, you know, like different things like that. I think that it brought a, a greater urgency for faith uh, for some people, uh, a lot of times, and this is something I don't think we've really ever talked about, but, you know, one of the biggest demographics of people coming to church is couples with young kids. Yep. Because they, it's, it's kind of like, oh shoot, like I should raise my kid to have some morals, right? <laughs> like we got to figure this out. And so things like that, I, I think that, there are stages of life where you, where you start to ask some of those questions and there's life circumstances that where you start to ask some of those. And this was a life circumstance where people started to ask like, what do I believe? Yeah. You, you, when you're confronted with your own mortality, I think that those questions get asked a lot. And so there was that newfound uh, or rediscovered maybe uh, you know, desire to explore some of these faith things. And I also think that there was a connection like human to human, like COVID, quarantine sucked and nobody liked it. And so we need, like, I want to be more intentional about spending human to human time with other people. Yeah. And you had to get creative to do it. You know, we had, uh, I would say our students bonded big time during COVID just because, uh, like they were desperate for connection of any sort. And we were able to provide some form of that, but you know, like we did a, we did a candy drive where like, we, you know, it was coming up on Easter when COVID happened. So yeah. we had 5,000, 10,000 pieces of candy that we were going to use to stuff Easter eggs. Well, we're for sure not doing an Easter egg hunt in April of 2020. Like that's not happening. So Meg and I, like we put on Instagram, like, hey, if you want some candy and like, it sounds a creeper, but like- A little bit. You know, if I'm you, disappointed I didn't see this. If, I would have come. You did. You should have. It was super fun. We Dang like it. We, if if students wanted to, they we, they like sent us our address, their address, and we just drove by. And we like, there's a guy in our church who he owns his own sign shop and vinyl business. So we got a big poster that said, you know, we love our Bridge Youth students, and we would just drive around from house to house, drop off mm-hmm. literal bags of fun size candy on their front step, you know, take a selfie from ten feet away put on Instagram and then go off to the next house. And we went from house to house to house to house to house. And the kids loved it. Like it's, yeah. it kind of like recertified who we are as a youth ministry. You know, you and I, you remember this, you and I take teamed like yeah, we did. youth services a few times where it's yeah. like, we live, we, you and I got together when it was safe to do so. You live streamed on your socials. I live streamed on my social. We had mm-hmm. like six phones and tablets and yeah. everything like pointed at your stage and we played games and like, it was, it just, there was creativity there that I think just kind of sparked a really natural fire into our youth ministries of like, we're doing something new and it just created a bond amongst our students that I thought uh, really kind of helped propel us into this new season we're in now. Yeah, I remember those kind of combined live streams we did. I think the two biggest things that I remember taking away from those are one, I have no tolerance for heat uh, spice in my food and you suck at drawing pineapples. Yeah. Uh, those were the two big takeaways, I think. Can you so, explain what, what that was? Because someone's going to be like, what? Like, why was Derek about? drawing a pineapple? Well, so we did, uh, yeah, it was related issues. We... Uh, we live streamed us doing a, like a Pictionary battle, like yeah. us and our wives. So Kyle and I would, we both went live from our homes yep. on our social medias for our youth students. And we had to like you and I together, like, okay, this is what we're drawing. Yep. And whoever's wife guessed it correctly first. They got a point. You know, we got a point and it came down to the last one and we were drawing a pineapple and uh, Derek had a really hard time. Yeah drawing a pineapple. And so we had a, established a bet prior to the start of this game that the loser has to do a blazing wings challenge from Buffalo Wild Wings. Yep. And I lost. And the winner got to eat like the wings of their choice at the same time. Yeah, which you thoroughly enjoyed. So I think yes, I, I, did. I think I had like nine or ten. I would have finished them, but we stuck true to the genuine rules of the blazing challenge. So I couldn't have any drink. Yep. And I had to eat 12 wings in 10 Four, minutes. 10 minutes, was it? I don't remember. Can't Whatever time it was. Yeah. But I, I I, had made it 9 or 10 through. I had only a few left. I just ran out of time. Yeah. So we called it. But then 
the next week you yeah, did a similar. Like, I was like, screw it, I'll try it, and it didn't go well. Yeah, Actually, like, my brother was in town, yeah, and so he was on that live stream. I I don't, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. But uh, he's actually coming into town next week, so it'd be good to see him. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that I think that the relationship building was uh, was definitely something that that was a plus uh, coming out of of COVID and just that connection piece was was something that a lot of people missed, and it was cool to to see it come back. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot of good stuff, and there was a lot more good stuff that we could talk about that came out of COVID, but uh, there was definitely some changes that uh, that we saw, uh, patterns that emerged that uh, that went the other way, you know, that, that were not great. And the first one that we'll mention here would be pastoral dropout. Uh, you know, obviously specific with, with, with churches where, you know, there were churches that closed their doors, uh, there were pastors that stepped away from ministry, uh, and, and a lot of it was just burnout related to, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, this is a new season that, a, a new thing that no one prepared me for, and there's no playbook for it, except for that one article that Derek found, uh, from the Spanish flu. And, and we don't, <laughs> we don't have any idea what we're doing. We're all making it up. And there were just, I think there were a lot of people, a lot of pastors that, that really, you know, caused a lot of burnout. Well, I think it revealed, you know, cause I, I've been thinking a lot about that specific thing. And I, I kind of think that COVID was the dagger, but it really revealed a lot of negative patterns leading yeah, up to that, you know, where it's like, they, they were going at an a unsustainable pace for a long time and no one just saw it or they didn't recognize it. Or, you know, they didn't have a super solid community or infrastructure around them to keep them emotionally, spiritually, physically healthy, you know? And so when all of that is stripped away and made bare, thanks to a COVID pandemic, you know, you have all of those already negative patterns and now throw on a heap of complete terror because, yeah, yeah, we, we kind of like flippantly talk about it right now, but I think it's fair to say most of the world thought we were all going to die. Like this was like we were waiting for like, you know, World War Z or whatever these zombie movies are. Like people were convinced uh, the whole I world think was that uh, the Will Smith movie, I Am Legend. Legend. Great movie. That would be a great reference here. Yep. You know, I think it's there was so people were terrified. And so as such, like pastors were. We're getting grilled, you know, like, what are we going to do? And what's what's going to happen here? Yeah. And so you throw on, you know, it's kind of like, to put it in this analogy, if you're running a marathon and you're at mile 24 out of 26.2 and you get to mile 24 and you're gassed and you find out uh, you actually got 50 miles left to go. They, yeah, I, you were running the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had not only do you have to run those twenty four again, but then you have the original twenty six point two. You have to go. Yeah, yeah, and I think it just it got to a spot where pastor going, uncle, I just, I just, I can't, I can't do it anymore. And it, it's no fault of them. I, we don't sit here and, and criticize them by any means. I think it just got to a spot where we realized like COVID was the dagger that. You know, it it revealed the nasty side of everything, you know, and we really kind of got to see things for uh, as they were. And, uh, you know, pastoral dropout and church closings were, you know, at an all-time high. And there are still many vacancies, even in our denomination, in our state, that churches don't have pastors because COVID claimed their pastor. I'm flattered, Derek, but I'm not looking to move. Um, so, but, but I do, I think that just the whole theme of, of that and, and when it comes to churches closing their doors, I think not all of that was because like the senior pastor stepped down and nobody else stepped in. Yeah. I think that a uh, decline in church attendance, uh, it just an overall apathy for, for church, uh, kind of in some settings and in some people really set in. And I think the core of the problem for a lot of that was, you know, a lack uh, if, if you had failed to build community within your church before COVID, those people were going elsewhere. Yep. Uh, there was, there was nothing keeping them at your church. Now that, you know, there was absolutely no personal contact whatsoever. Uh, and it was so easy 
to just go online and stream any yep. church in the world. Yep. And, and so that was, I think, a a driver for churches closing their doors and was and and people leaving churches was just that I didn't have any relationships right. here. Yeah, and it's what's what's kind of even more crazy is some people stayed at their church, but they never went in person. You know, because if yeah, it's a lot more fun to go if if all you're getting from church is just the sermon. You know, it is nicer to sit in your PJs with you know waffles and sit there and not have to get the kids loaded up and do that, all that thing. Like, yeah, it, you know, if you didn't have that community's aspect, yeah, you, you worry just for the sermon. So you might as well do it in the comfort of your home. And I think, you know, what started out as that way, which is not inherently bad. I think we all just got so sick of virtual anything, virtual meetings, virtual, that is you know, accurate. everything. People are just like, if it's virtual, I'm not doing it. I, cause I'm going to throw up if I hear zoom one more time, you yep. know, like, so I think people just kind of got sick of going online. So they just stopped going all together and, you know, church attendance dropped. Uh, what didn't help the matter either is uh shocker. But when you have a worldwide pandemic that, you know, brings in a lot of emotions, d- opinions and division were unprecedented, you know, let's, I I know this is going to be, you know, a little raw to go back to, but we are not super far removed from the mask versus no mask debate. We had people who would come to us as staff and go, how in the world am I going to go to a church that doesn't enforce a mask? And in the same day, when we're putting a mask mandate out, because we have to legally, we had people saying, how dare you not have faith and stand up to the government for what we believe in? You know, like it's the mask versus no mask debate was nasty. And it was just, it, it got mean spirited sometimes. And like, I get it. People are passionate. People have opinions. That's great. I love that. But the problem is there was no respect shared between the two. It was like, uh, I am drawing my line in the sand. And if you're not doing this, then, you know, quite frankly, screw you. Like that's kind of how it felt after a while. Uh, and it was, it just, I think that kind of thing is what contributed to, to pastors were under scrutiny a lot in that time. Uh, and that I think to me kind of transgressed into a, a vax versus no vax. Like, are you getting, are you getting, you know, the COVID-19 vaccine? Yes or no. Are you getting the booster? Yes or no. All these different things. What ended up happening is COVID brought a whole new wave of political division amongst church goers. This was not just a red and blue division. This was a health you know, division back and forth. And it just kind of made the political hot buttons all the more intense. And uh, there were some legitimate feelings and decisions that were made as a result of these decisions. Yeah, this is uh real quick. Uh, I, I have a thought on that, but I wanted to mention, you mentioned Zoom and uh, not wanting to hear that. Uh, in January of 2020, Zoom's stock was worth about $75. A share. A share, which is roughly what it is worth today. It peaked at... Do you want to take a guess? 550 559. Really? Yeah. Come on. Well done. Which is like what? Almost eight times? Yeah. Like, can you imagine how rich we could have been if we had invested in Zoom stock? Uh, We wouldn't have cared about all of the divisive conversation. But I I think that, like, I remember I, I had a this was one of the only times I've ever like purposely been controversial on Facebook Uh, because there were, and I don't know if you remember this or ever remember seeing any of them. uh, There were two videos that were going around on social media during, you know, the summer and fall of 2020 where, and, and I was getting tagged in a lot of posts. And so that's why I felt like I was getting sent these videos and tagged in these videos uh, of people, you know, sharing their thoughts on. And so I felt compelled to kind of issue a response. One was a pastor down in Georgia preaching on how, uh, like, 
the co like COVID, uh, I think it had something to do with end times and just like a whole bunch of stuff with that. Uh, and then the other one was a documentary that came out and I believe it was called Plandemic. And it was all about how like the United States government started COVID and it was like basically this whole conspiracy theory thing. And both videos got shared by a lot of people in our church and they were tagging me in it. And so I responded and, and I sat down, I watched both videos, took a ton of notes and I like, I had like five pages of notes. I wonder if I still have that somewhere, but it was, I, I issued a response. I posted on Facebook, like, Hey, here, I watched both of these. Here are my thoughts. Like this one said this claim to be biblical. It's not. This one said this. I looked up all of the statistics they used and they're all false. Uh, different things like that. And I, there were some people in our church were so mad at me. And, and I remember calling our senior pastor and I was like, Hey, like, should I not have posted this? Should I take this down and whatever? And he was like, honestly, like if it's truth, then no, like it's okay to leave it up. And, and I wasn't mean in any way. And I think that that's where like, you know, the two big issues like mask or no vax or no, uh, you know, is there a actual true right answer? Maybe. Is there a great way to talk about it? Absolutely. Is there many divisive ways to phrase your opinion? Most definitely. Most definitely. And, and I think that that and what we're going to go into next here were very closely linked. Was all of the divisiveness around everything. Because not only was it you know, COVID related, but then it was political, you know, election season related Sure, that, that you threw on top of it. And as a youth pastor, the mental health hit that we saw our students take, our church congregation take, uh, that was substantial. And I think still something that's being recovered from. Forgive me. I mean, I might. I don't want to say the exact exact stat because I I want to be factual. But I did a sermon on this about a year ago, and I'm just gonna be vague because I don't want again. I want to mislead the witness here. But the wow, good courtroom jargon. Thank you. Um, I I don't want to be false here, but essentially the number of documented cases of clinical anxiety from like 2020 to like 2022 had risen by like 200%. Like anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, all these different things went through the roof. And is it any wonder? Of course not. Like let, let, let's think about what we're dealing with here. We have division at, I would say, a historic level. You throw in an election year and everything we just talked about – Everybody is divided on everything. That's no bueno. Well, don't forget that we like advertised how many people were dying every day. Right. Yeah. I was going to say fear is a, like literally fear is being preached. Yeah. Like everywhere. I'm not saying preach from the pulpit, but like when you have death counters on every single major news station, like you couldn't get away from it. Sports were covering it because there were no sports. Like schools were conscious of it. Like, you were violently aware that COVID's coming and it could come to your house next. So just yep. be prepared for it. Like, of course you're going to be freaked out about that. Like, it's not just like a, because how it was discussed was if you get COVID-19, you're dead. It's basically how it was being addressed. Yeah. And people did die. Like, to be clear, I know people closely who they had friends, family members who passed away from COVID-19. It did happen. But my point is, Fear was like everywhere. So you have division, you have fear, you have probably, I would say the biggest contributor, isolation. We as human beings were not meant to be isolated for long periods of time. I don't care if you're the most introverted introvert, you still need human connection. There is a super interesting psychological study that was done, I think in the 1970s, where they went to an orphanage um, of, of little babies 
and they they split them into half. Half the babies were would be considered the control. Please don't talk about babies being split in half. Okay, sorry. It, it is in the Bible, by the way. That's fair. It's biblical. Um, All right, yeah. continue. So the control group, though, were babies who were considered normally nurtured. You know, okay. if they started to cry, the orphanage workers would, you know, go and check their diaper and pick them up and rock them to sleep, get them a bottle, yep. do whatever. Um, normal things. The experiment group was no extra affection or engagement was given to the babies. If they had a dirty diaper, okay, they wiped the diaper, but put them right back into the thing. If they needed a bottle, they just dropped the bottle in and took off. There was no actual human connection to Can these I babies. Can I ask a question about this study? Yes. What parent voluntarily signs their kid up for this. It's not. It's an orphanage. Oh, sorry. I missed that part. Yeah, I was an, like, oh my goodness. Nobody. It's, a, it's an orphanage. So, but where I was going with it is they had to stop the study because babies were dying. Like yeah. the lack of human connection wow. was actually causing physical ailments that resulted in babies dying. Wow. And so the, 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 the study basically said it kind of showed that we as human beings, we not just like crave connection, we are actually designed to have connection. And so like this whole year-long hiatus where you're not around any other person, of course your mental health is going to spin up. Like you weren't designed to be in isolation for a year. So where I'm going with all of this is, you know, like – just because the quarantine period is over um, does not mean that these health issues and these mental health issues just disappear. Like I would say that's the biggest thing that has been a lingering side effect of COVID is like mental health and just overall psyche has radically changed pretty universally. Even from a youth ministry perspective, though, I don't think it's just the mental health because I saw uh, from an academic and social growth perspective. There were students, a lot of most students that like took noticeable steps back in like their social development and in their academic development pre and post COVID. Yeah. And like distance learning was really, really hard on a lot of students, really hard on a lot of families. I, I saw a, uh, I don't remember if it's Harvard or, or some big university is like for the next five years, or, or for some amount of time, they are no longer going to require uh, standardized test results on admissions. And they're basically going to study to see if it has an effect on, you know, the quality of students that they are admitting. Sure. And I heard it and I was like, well, that's bullcrap. Because all of the students that regardless of like, I loved taking standardized tests and I acknowledge that I am on the outside there, like most people hate them. And, sure. and there's a lot of people that just are actually not good test takers, regardless of any of that. And I don't care if the study finds like objectively that it makes a difference or not. All of these students that they're doing these studies on had formative educational years where like at least one probably was distance learning. Yep. That was a hindrance to kids' oh, educational development. Yep. And so you're probably going to find that the standardized test kids had higher scores in your classes than the non-standardized test kids, but it has nothing to do with the standardized tests. It's because these kids went through COVID. That's correct. It's because these kids went through distance learning yep. and had their educational growth stunted a little bit. Yep. And, and so I think that... Like as youth pastors, I don't think we are out of the woods yet on, you know, we, we have less of the educational side we deal with, but from a social development side, I think that we are not out of the woods yet as far as regaining the ground that was lost from distance learning and from quarantine in our kids, yeah. uh, that and, and the mental health side of things is definitely something that we still need to make sure that we are up on, make sure that we, uh, are, informed on and and it's something that we need to make sure we're looking for uh, and looking out for in our youth students well done man drop the mic that's done nail it and the bad of COVID the last time you ever have to hear us talk about covid maybe hopefully 
Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we have full control over that. So uh, we're the ones that decide which episodes to do. That's fair. So, uh, going back to uh, our leadership podcast from the last episode, uh, you know, we we are the ones that step out first and, and make the decisions. No more, no more COVID-19. There you go. Done. You heard it here first. Uh, so that does it for today's episode. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. The works. Uh, the works. iHeartRadio. Uh, wherever you find us, we're glad you did. Uh, until next time, uh, Kyle and Derek, I think it's time uh, that uh, we go hug our kids. Goodbye. Goodbye.